from KQED. This is how you prepare for a mock war. This is your team briefing. You are tasked with being a quick reaction force, QRF, following a dignitary to an event. If it goes to a shots fired or something like that, obviously our shots fired protocol will, uh, will kick into place and uh, we'll kick it up, we'll, uh, we'll neutralize, find neutralized threat. A group of guys, a SWAT team, dressed in full military gear, stand around a table. On the table, there's small toy cars positioned on a path. What type of, how many people are we anticipating at this event? The model they are looking at. It's about to become a scenario. A diplomat and his family, in the advanced cars, are driving to a rally in a town square. The SWAT team will follow as extra security in case something goes wrong. There's only one thing for certain about what will happen next. Something will go wrong. These guys just don't know what it is yet. And word's out that this is a, you know, part of my express and a shit show here. We're in a lot in East Oakland by the train tracks. Shipping containers are stacked on top of each other to make slim alleyways that the convoy's cars slowly creep through. I sneak between the shipping containers into a makeshift alleyway from where I can see the whole thing play out as if it's a movie set, and someone shouts action. The cars come careening around the corner. And then... A bomb hits the lead car. Attackers, terrorists, with big guns pop out from behind the shipping containers. They come out firing, and the SWAT team, it goes into action. Gunfire and smoke and the screams of the wounded. This is Urban Shield. Every fall over the course of a weekend, Urban Shield puts law enforcement and other first responders from around the country and the world through real life training scenarios ripped from the headlines. They say the point of all this is to be able to save us, to rescue us from our worst nightmares come to life. But there are others who say it's something else, that this is training police to occupy our streets, our neighborhoods, our lives, to militarize the police. After the shooting has subsided and the so-called terrorists have been shot and killed, the emergency medical teams go in to rescue the wounded. I was trying to raise him to see if I could... Any blood come out of his mouth? Negative. All right. Negative blood coming out. All right. Back to him. He's having a real hard time breathing. It's all fake. Staged. What's the next one? I'm going to dart him. I don't know what's going on. You have equal chest rise. If this is a mock war, I'm mock embedded. My adrenaline is very, very real. You're gonna be all right, okay? <laughs> so have you been managing this patient? I have not. Okay, so you're kind of starting over? No, I'm actually in charge, so I'm gonna make oh, okay. sure. I'm Sandhya Dirks, right. and you're listening to Cued Up. blood everywhere. The ground is stained with it. And fake limbs, an arm here, over there, a leg. 
the torso of a blown-up terrorist scattered across the gravel. There's actually a manufacturer that makes these for these purposes, or for Hollywood. Um, so a lot of the TV shows out there get their products from this company. Um, and so, you know, we obviously have the Dick and Terry blown to bits, and this is the suicide bomber that, that came out. Uh, I think his name is Zed. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Introducing me to Zed, or what's left of him, is Jim Morrissey. He's the guy who put this elaborate scene into action. He's the writer-director of a lot of these scenarios. And he takes a lot of pleasure in that. Um, People have told me I have a sick mind, and I create scenarios that must be based on some horror movies or something. And I never, ever, ever have watched any horror movies. I don't like them. I have no interest in the chainsaw thing, the, you know, the scary things that make you jump. I, even as a kid, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. You know, I'd rather watch, you know, cartoons or something. So I, for some reason, I have had an ability to create these powerful scenarios. I've done some hostage rescues where you know, uh, MS-13 is captured in an, an informant and they got him string up and they're shooting arrows through him and he's strung up and they got arrows through him and the tactical team walks in and then the medics have to deal with that and, you know, and other scenarios that are, that are out of a movie set, but they come out of my mind. Some of them are based on real events. Right now, there's no shortage of real events. For me, it was just this immediate, we smelled smoke, it started getting windy, and all of a sudden, there's this bright orange sky. God, dude. Just get caught on fire. The road's on fire. You there they are. There they are. are. Oh my We're coming goodness. to get you. Natural oh disasters, goodness. hurricanes, floods, and fires. We have nothing, nothing left. It looks like a bomb has gone off down here. Terrorist attacks. Casualty situation. Mass there. shootings. Traffic shut down from 14th Street on the West Side Highway at this time. Sounds from the end of the world. It was something that uh, you wouldn't want to experience, you know, listening to the wind blowing like a roaring train coming by and holding on to your doors that they won't go away. This is an individual who was described as a lone wolf. I don't know how it could have been prevented if we didn't have any prior knowledge to this individual. Maybe we can't know how to prevent these terrible events, but Urban Shield says SWAT teams and first responders, they should know how to respond to help us when the worst happens. Because the worst, it seems to be happening. I'm going to play you two clips of sound. One of them is from Urban Shield. The others, well, it's from a video of a live mass shooting. Can you tell the difference? The real and the imagined. The real and the simulated. They bleed, and yes, I mean that, into each other. Sometimes they become each other. Reams of paper are devoted to think pieces that discuss how violence on TV, in movies, can leave a footprint in the real world. The more news shows mass shootings, the more mass shootings happen. That violence is viral. Viral like a contagious disease or information on the internet. This violence doesn't need to be real for it to spread. Jim Morrissey, 
the guy who designed some of the Urban Shield scenarios, says that for the purpose of training people, the realer, the better. So it smells real. I mean, there's cordite in the air. It hits their senses. They see body parts. They see shell casings. They, they hear the screams. You add all those senses in very realistic moulage is the icing on the cake. That strange word. Moulage. Moulage literally means the art of applying mock injuries for the purpose of training the military and first responders. It's only one take. One take. One take live. It's, it's the best I can, uh, it's kind of like live theater. Danny McCarthy is a moulage artist. You've got the participants, and then your audience are actually the guys that have to come in and do the training. The guy pronounced me dead, and I was try- I was wheezing. <laughs> Danny and his team are the ones that help sculpt realistic corpses, realistic severed limbs, and they make up the participants with ghastly wounds. I like that, with the brain coming out. Danny got into this line of work not to do moulage at all. He grew up wanting to do special effects for the movies. I started as a uh, fan and just started kind of doing it in my uh, bedroom, starting at about 11 years old. And so went through the Freddy Krueger and Jay, that was a product of uh, the gory 80s, so it's like that's Tom Savini was the guy that I was uh, idolizing in my uh, youth. Tom Savini was a master of special effects, like making George Romero's Dawn of the Living Dead zombies look real, scaring movie fans across the world. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. There's a real pride when Danny mentions him. He ended up becoming one of my teachers, and I got to meet him, and I've got his personal phone number now, so it's like... And then uh, Dick Smith was then another one Dick of my Smith. teachers. He's the guy who created the vomit scenes in The Exorcist. What is it? Uh, he was the godfather of makeup uh, effects. And... The godfather, because he literally did the makeup for The Godfather. He'd come to me in friendship. And the scum that ruined your daughter would be suffering this very day. So, yeah, I've got a pretty healthy lineage of guys that have helped me get to this point. That's Danny's real passion, making the gore feel real, like in the movies. I want you guys saying, how did that happen? So that's, I'm the guy behind it making, making people go, what is that? The, the trick, tricking you. That's all I want to do. I'm tricking your eyes. Events like Urban Shield, this, this is a steady gig. It's where he gets to do his art and get a regular paycheck and benefits. The work isn't always easy, because it isn't based in fantasy. It's based in horror. Horror that is all too real. I had a femur break and go through my skin. That wasn't a fun one. One of the props given out to some of the role players here are these babies. Don't lose the baby. (laughs) They are like dolls, but out of Halloween. No, this this is my first baby that I lost. Haunting, really. Replicas of lifeless infants killed in one attack or another, parts of their legs blown off, a chest wound on a tiny doll. Just to make that baby, I had to go through flash drives from the field, and I have to look at the real thing sculpt the real thing and that's the that's part of it too i've got uh, they're called morgue files but they're um, basically reference of the worst things human beings can do to one another and we have to go through it we have to find it we have to hang it up on the wall we have to sculpt it so it's it's another part of the job that kind of I mean, today I don't want to deal with dead kids, you know what I mean? On a side note, Danny's mentor, Tom Savini, add to his credits Friday the 13th, he was a war photographer in Vietnam. There's always been this delicate dance 
between real guts and fake gore. Nice, nice, nice exit wound. No, that's the entrance, isn't no, it? That's oh, the, that's the, the entrance. No, the entrance yeah. is the little one. Yeah. yeah. Danny's the first to admit to his coworkers he'd rather be working in the movies. Because none of us wanted to be on this side of it, you know what I mean? No, no, I mean, I wanted to do horror movies. I didn't want to see some of the stuff I've had to see, but I think it's improved a lot of my, the sculpting, a lot of what we do on this side of it. And I, one someday we'll be doing some crazy monster movies with some very really realistic effects. For now we'll just help people train to save that's lives. That's right, we'll just, that's right. It's Danny's coworker, Rose, Rose Burgos. She never wanted to work in Hollywood. But then what would you be doing with your day, Rose, if you weren't making blood and doing the... Hopefully less blood. Rose smiles. But the point she's trying to make, the meaning she gets from this work, it comes from helping police and first responders. Do you guys have any wounds that need to be touched up, or are you guys good? Can I get you a little fresh blood on your ear? The fact that the work helps to train real people for real situations, that's what drives her. I'm definitely not like most of my crew, because pretty much everybody on my crew, that's they want to be a makeup artist. That's their goal. Um, they all went to much better schools than I did. Um, and that's just being honest. I've been told several times, don't dumb down your school, but it's the truth. It's hard for Rose to explain to people what exactly it is she does. My mom and my dad, they get a kick out of it. They'll call me and I'll be like, hold on, I'm about to blow this up. Or, you know, I, I got mass casualty or I got 20 people that I got to kill. I'll call you back. And my mom's just always like, Ugh, you're so weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rose takes this job seriously, as seriously as you can take the macabre. We had an old way of making bowels where we would use pig intestines and we would stuff them and stuff like that. So dealing with things like that is, you know, hmm. <laughs> is that a bowel in your belly or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She doesn't just make up people to look Very injured nice. and dying. She also makes a lot, a lot of blood. Good to go. There we go. Blood's important too. I mean, simple things like that, um, thickness of it, you know, how it stays on the skin, stuff like that. If you have an arterial bleed where it's actually spurting out, or if you have more of a slow pulsating bleed that's kind of just pumping out. I'm, there's all kinds of different aspects to just just blood. All right. Do you guys have any wounds that need to be touched up, or are you guys good? Can I get you a little fresh blood on your ear? This isn't the fake blood you buy at Walgreens. It's realistic and sticky. And the recipe? I can't tell you our secret recipe. There's a hundred ways to make blood. <laughs> okay, so she just wanted blood and breakfast. Yeah. She labors over sponges. every detail, making a wound look just right. I like my blood to be a specific way because I kind of like it to stick to the wounds, but not completely disguise the wound. I like the wound to still be exposed and show, and the blood around it is great. But like Danny was saying, I mean, when we're in a crunch, this is our technique of slapping it on, making it look good and realistic, but you're hiding all your edges. But like, if I have the time, I'm going to... I'm going to put down some real nice flat edges and I'm going to just accentuate it with blood as opposed to dousing it with blood. So there's... Because it's your art. Yes. Different techniques depending on the situation you're in. 
you know, you do it for so long, you're not looking at it like, oh, how terrible that is. You're looking at it more from a creative aspect, like how do I recreate that, you know, aesthetically? How, how color scheme, placement, all things like that. You start looking at it in a different way. Seen all the protesters and things like that? Yes. I heard 28 people got arrested yesterday at the other site. That's new to me. I mean, I think I've done Urban Shield three or four years, but I think it was last year that I even became aware of that. I, I don't know how I missed it. Sometimes when you're inside of something, it can be hard to know what is happening outside. But it's getting harder and harder to miss the anti-Urban Shield protesters. They say when the police and SWAT teams that are trained here leave and go back into the real world, it's not just to rescue the wounded. Militarization expands that, that violence and expands that power that policing has over our communities. My name is Mohammed Sheikh. I'm with Critical Resistance, a member of the Stop Urban Shield Coalition. Police come together from across the country and world in order to learn and share tactics of repression that criminalize, control, and harm our communities. And we're here to put an end to that. I sit and talk with Rose while she waits to apply the next round of fake blood and guts. It's the training of the SWAT teams mm -hmm. um, that I think that they, that's what they say that they have a problem with because I'm training them to be that way. Yeah, and the, and the idea of that there's more and more militarization of police mm -hmm. and given the sort of the news of what's happening in this country, I think especially for protesters of color. Scary, yeah. That they feel that that's Making it normal. Making it normal, she says. So is the training desensitizing? Well, yes, Rose says. It's supposed to be. That's what I love about us is we have the noise, the smoke, the fire, the bombs, the, you know, all of that with the screaming people who are bloody and gory and pulling on you. It's like so much and it can be overwhelming. Like that's, that's when you need to, and that kind of goes hand in hand too about like how you said people are more fearful of training them to just automatically shoot instead of assess the situation. I think that's exactly what the training is for, is for them to be immersed in that chaotic scene, but still think about what they're doing and be aware and do it right. That's Rose's perspective. She sees Urban Shield through the lens of law enforcement. I'm very interested in um, administrative justice and court systems and all that stuff. I love it. Where did that come from? I don't know. I, I mean, I've got a lot of troubled people in my life, and I think it's just something that's always been around me. Like, I was on probation when I was a kid for, like, ditching school, but it's like I ended up going to all these different continuation schools and court schools, and they treated me like I was this bad kid. But really, my, my mom was in and out, and I just kind of did whatever I wanted because I was a kid. I just didn't have guidance. It wasn't that I was like a bad kid and my probation officer was just terrible and I just thought like as I got older like in you can influence people and I just felt like she had an opportunity to influence me or help guide me in a direction and it was missed because she viewed me as a different type of person. It's funny that Rose says that because that's the counter argument that law officers are trained 
in exercises like this to view people of color as different types of people, as the terrorist or active shooter, as the danger. In fact, the company, Rose and Danny, were at Urban Shield with last year, strategic operations. Strategic operation. The ones who make a lot of the props of carnage. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Strategic operations lost their contract with Urban Shield this year over racist training images on their website. The bad guys, brown, dressed in headscarves. The good guys, white. What does it say when we make the threat look one way? When we make the threat into a Muslim, especially when that threat is a scenario or a simulacrum or a fake viral video. Does, does the president in the White House have a responsibility to verify information before they retweet it out? Isn't it fake news not to do that? Look, again, the whether it's it's a real video, the threat is real, and that is what the president is talking about. That's what the president is focused on, is dealing with those real threats. Uh, and those are real no matter how you look at it. But are they? There have been studies that show if we see enough brown and black people act as terrorists and criminals in the movies and on TV, we become more likely to view brown and black people as terrorists and criminals. That's how unconscious bias works. That's how it creeps inside our mind. Bias can make it hard to remember that in terms of mass casualties, at least in the past decade, it is lone white men, heavily armed, who have killed the most people. When the SWAT team broke down the door of a room on the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay Casino, gunman Stephen Paddock was already dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Before he began his shooting spree, taking the lives of 20 children and two adults, and then later on, killing himself. And where do we see police out in full force with weapons and tanks? Where do we see militarized police? Tanks and military gear used by police against protesters on the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, after a white officer shot and killed Michael Brown, an unarmed young black man. It made Ferguson look like an occupied war zone. You know, we've seen how militarized gear can sometimes give people a feeling like there's an occupying force as opposed to a force that's part of the community that's protecting them and serving them. Do you remember that photograph? A black man in a turquoise shirt with his hands up, a front line of police officers dressed like they are in Kabul, armed and charging. Those guns, those tanks, all that equipment came from the Department of Defense's excess property program, known as the 1033 program. It gave excess military equipment to local police departments at no cost. And it wasn't just police departments. San Diego Unified School District got a tank. That's right, a school district with a tank. New controversy tonight over this military-grade armored vehicle now in the hands of San Diego Unified School District. Hey, the San Diego School District needs that MRAP to defend itself in case Los Angeles School Districts get grenade launchers, <laughs> which they did. So all of this reached a fever pitch of absurdity, and the Obama administration rolled back the 1033 program. But that rollback has been rolled back. Remember, the largest police union in the country endorsed Donald Trump for president. To announce that President Trump 
this day is issuing an executive order. Here's his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, talking to that police union this past August. That will make it easier to protect yourselves and your communities. And it's a top priority of Chuck and your leaders. He is rescinding restrictions from the prior administration that limited your agency's ability to get equipment through federal programs, including life-saving gear. Urban Shield happened this year under the shadow of that decision. The decision to once again put extreme military gear into the hands of local police departments. Given all the disasters that cut into the bones of our lives, there's a real argument to be made that we need to be preparing first responders now more than ever. But there's also the flip side. Anti-Urban Shield activists fear that all this play-acting, this staging, this making of a mock war just makes it easier to see and act like every situation is the worst possible version. To treat a protester for civil rights with the tools they learn to combat a terrorist hostage situation or a bomb going off in a diplomat's convoy. When in fact, it's just protesters protesting. You're listening to Cued Up. This piece was edited by Cued Up senior editor Julia McAvoy. The executive producers of Cued Up are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Thanks for listening. Um, recent, recent, recent. I made it out. There we go. Is it macabre or macabre? It's macabre, yeah. I love that word. <laughs>